partying hard and losing friends. Welcome, Mere Mortalites, to another round of the book reviews. My name is Kyron, host of the Mere Mortals podcast, but also this one where I dive deeper into the books I'm reading to give you the juicy information that is within to extract some themes you might not have realized and to also just talk about straight old partying. Indeed, we do have Fiesta, The Sun Also Rises by Ernest Hemingway. I'm not actually sure which of these two book titles is correct. I've seen both of them being used everywhere. And on this book cover, it has Fiesta, The Sun Also Rises. This book was published in 1926 and it's 215 pages in length, took me probably about four hours in total to get through. It's a Romana Clef, which basically means it's a real life story with a fictional overlay uh, depicting 1920s life after World War II in Europe. And so we are seen through the eyes of uh, point of view of Jake Barnes, who is an American expat who has some war wounds and is acting as a journalist. And basically, he has some friends, uh, Lady Brett Ashley, Mike, who is engaged to her, Bill, who is an American friend, comes over, Robert Cohen as well, and uh, Romero, who is the uh, Spanish bullfighter, is the the main crew who who, uh, makes up this, this story. And it's told into three separate books, the first of which is basically him in France uh, working as a journalist and kind of going out into the nightlife and we're introduced to most of the characters. The second is where they travel to Spain and he goes fishing with one of them, with Bill, and then he meets up with the others and then they just have this absolute wild time in Pamplona during the running of the bulls during that festival. And then there is the kind of aftermath of the fiesta where they're kind of mending friendships and trying to just get along in the world after what seemed to be a full week of just nonstop partying. And so in this Hemingway book, the kind of classic thing, he'll try and dive deeper into themes. So it's got love, it's got passion, it's got conflict, it's got sex, it's got friendship. And it's even got a couple of bits of anti-Semitism and some other rather unsavory things. So that, yeah, that's that's how it is. <laughs> so Ernest Hemingway, I've talked about him before on this channel because we've done book reviews of Old Man and the Sea as well as A Call to Arms. And like I said, this was based on his experiences. He actually lived these things and he did go to the Pamplona Bull Festival and uh, he did pr- presumably uh, there were other characters, there were real life people who did uh, kind of correspond to to the people that he had in this book. And so it is this Romana Clef style. He tells things in his prose in this very unique way to him. And uh, he's got this theory called the iceberg theory, which also you'll see demonstrated throughout this book. And I'll talk about that in the observations section. Let's get on to the first theme, and that is friendship. Sometimes you need to cut the edge. And so what do I mean by this? Well, friendships can be relatively simple at times, but then they can just get exceedingly complex. And I think this is not only within a group, but also in individuals. And so what we see in the book is Jake is really easygoing when he's individually with people. They just, no matter the differences between them, whether he's uh, you know kind of schmoozing with uh, Brett, whether he is just being funny with uh, with Bill, whether he is even chatting with Cohen and playing tennis with him and 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 uh, Pedro and these other Spanish people, like he just gets on with them so easily. 
And yet we kind of see these hints that start at the, the start of the book and then progress through where you go, oh, okay, <laughs> this is going to start getting a bit more complex. We see this in the Paris nightlife when everyone's starting to get together and then they go out and then people are getting angry at one another and you know, this guy's starting to get attracted to this girl and but he's, she's engaged to him and this sort of deal. And then when they get to the fiesta, it's just absolute chaos, you know. <laughs> Brett has slept with Robert, who is now in love with her and following her around like an idiot. The, Mike is jealous of her sleeping with other people, even though he's engaged to her. She wants to kind of sleep with everyone. Bill is attracted to her. Jake is attracted to her, but he can't sleep with her because of his old war wounds. And, you know, she in, ends up going with Pedro. And it's just this absolute crazy mess mixed in with copious amounts of alcohol and little sleep. And it just ends up in this fiasco, absolute fiasco. And probably the cardinal sin that was committed in this book was Jake mixed groups. He probably shouldn't mix friendship groups and just be like, you know, these people are good over here, but I shouldn't mix my Spanish friends with my work friends, with my kind of like humorous friends. And he does, and it just turns out crazy. And I think this gets into a, a good um, analogy with alcohol of, of, of friendships and, and why managing a friendship is kind of like taking alcohol in some ways. And we see a lot of alcohol <laughs> taking in this book. A lot of people are drinking wine. Jumping onto a page 127 and we can see why this might be a good analogy. And so basically there's just been a big blow up within the group. Uh, Mike was basically yelling at Robert to be like, go away, Robert Cohen. You're, you're acting like an idiot. You're, you're here in love with Brett. I'm her fiance. I'm right here. And you're, you're, you're like trying to steal her out from under me in front of my face. Like piss off. Why are you here? And, uh, you know, this, this kind of blows up and then they all get down for dinner again. And so, uh, it must've been pleasant for him to see her looking so lovely and know he had been away with her and that everyone knew it. They could not take that away from him. Bill was very funny. So was Michael. They were good together. It was like certain dinners I remember from the war. There was much wine and ignored tension and a feeling of things coming that you could not prevent happening. Under the wine, I lost the disgusted feeling and was happy. It seemed they were all such nice people. <laughs> that seems what like life is about and even people are about. There's just things that are suboptimal. There are things, no matter how much you love your friends, how cool they are, there's going to be some aspects of their personality which you're just going to be like, God, man, this person's an asshole or I don't like this about them. And I think this is kind of where, you know, alcohol, taking alcohol much like that can kind of cut the edge off a hard day or of a, you know, your, your life is going hard and you're like, look, I just want a drink or two. I think there is something about friendship groups as well where you maybe you need to do a similar thing. Maybe you need to cut some stuff out and take the edge off. Maybe you don't need to mix friendship groups in this way or only behave with certain friends in certain ways and and not allow them to go too crazy like we we see in this book um because they all have flaws and it really got me thinking as well just like what are friendships for and um maybe they're even just for the activities themselves it's not so much in this book because i think jake at least the main character he has his activities that he does on his own and he's fine with doing that individually with one person or, or even by himself. He doesn't necessarily need people. But many of the other characters, it seems like they're kind of only friends just so they can do the activity together. In this case, it's going to Spain and drinking 
and and behaving crazy and it's not that they even like their friends they just use that to do the activity and i think this probably happens a fair bit often in life as well where people have people who they're, they're, they're kind of friends with that's who they spend a lot of their time with but they don't actually like them and it's just you know this is a person who will enable me to do this activity that i want to do whether it be in a a sporting club whether it be going out and drinking whether it be you know any of the numerous things that humans do together and i've kind of seen this myself and i'm I'm kind of 50 50 on this i think sometimes this is the case and sometimes it's not the case as well but it really did get me thinking about friendship and just how you know friendships aren't ideal that you you got to work on them and they're they're always is going to be some parts of your friends which you just go man this person, this person, what are they doing? <laughs> and and I'm sure vice versa for, for me as well and for, for everyone. This is about everyone. Now, let's get on to the, the second theme here, which is passion. It's not a free ride. And we see various forms of passion in this book. It's a very passionate-filled book. Everyone is kind of in love with Brett for her personality, also because I think she's sexy. So there's kind of like passionate love and then passionate sex or a passionate attraction perhaps uh, we see this in the danger of it or the beauty of the bullfights as well everyone is getting higher for this passion of of oh my, like the bullfighters they're so they're so close to death it's drawing them in they can't help but watch there's the passion in the streets of partying of of being proud of being spanish or of being at the festival and of, of being you know um like part of part of something something greater than yourself and then there's also uh, you know for the tranquility in fishing there's it's kind of he, jake at least is very passionate about fish, fishing and what comes from this i think is most of them they, they're just various forms of altered states now usually they're in a kind of charging up mode you know partying bullfighting love attraction sex the only one that really sticks out perhaps a little bit differently is the 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 fishing or or even just kind of forming friendship groups with the aficionados these are the spanish people who also love the the bullfighting they're passionate about it but they they show the passion differently when they're at the ring versus when they're talking about it or in in the kind of hotel beforehand or or things like this and i think there's a price to pay for passion. I think there's a necessary um, suffering that is kind of compulsory or there's a necessary bad thing that comes that comes along with the ride. And so jumping onto page 187 here, we're right in the heart of the bullfights and we see this bullfighter whose name is Marcial and Marcial Belmonte and he is kind of retired and then he's getting back into the bullfighting and it's he's not an important character but I think it highlights what what is going on in this book about passion and so he he was a great bullfighter came back and he thought oh because of my my prestige my heritage I'm, uh, my legacy i'm just going to be able to kind of do what i used to do and people will love me for it and so uh, his return from retirement had been spoiled by romero romero did always smoothly calmly and beautifully what he belmonte could only bring himself to do sometimes the crowd felt it even the people from biarayats even the American ambassador saw it, finally. It was a competition that Belmont would not enter because it would lead only to a bad horde wound or death. Belmonte, Belmont, was no longer well enough. He no longer had his greatest moments in the bullring. 
He was not sure that there were any great moments. Things were not the same, and now life only came in flashes. He had flashes of the old greatness with his bulls, but they were not of value because he had discounted them in advance when he had picked the bulls out for their safety, getting out of a motor and leaning on a fence, looking over at the herd on the ranch of his friend, the bull breeder. So he had two small, manageable bulls without much horns, and when he had felt his greatness coming again, just a little of it through the pain that was always with him, it had been discounted and sold in advance, and it did not give him a good feeling. It was the greatness, uh, but it did not make bullfighting wonderful to him anymore. Pedro Romero had the greatness. And then it's talking about how he loved bullfighting, how he could control the locality, how he could do all of these different things. And we can see that there's this kind of, price you have to pay for for this passion and it can come beforehand or it can come afterwards but there is always going to be a a, a somewhat of a price to pay for feeling these feelings and uh not all good things are meaning needing passion or things like this you know if you're taking heroin uh you can you can't really be passionate about that or being passionate about i don't know eating sweets or, or something like this um, or at least in my case, it's like I enjoy it, but and there is a discounting, there is a price to pay for it in terms of my health or long-term health and longevity, but it's not something I'm particularly passionate about. Whereas there is this kind of trade-off deal that seems to come with passion. And ultimately, like the more I think about it, the more I, I go, man, the long-term effects of being passionate about something really suck <laughs> because the price you pay does seem to be pretty high and it, it and in the long term you go oh i'm not sure if this is so great so some exam- examples of this we see this with um the sometimes you can make bad calls about your your passion that you the thing you care about in jake's case it was bringing his friends along to the festival they weren't aficionados and he lost the respect of the aficionados these people who had spent years and years connecting with and uh, proving to them that he cared about this thing and then because he brought these jackass friends along who screwed up everything who were causing fights who were sleeping with the bullfighters who were it's just behaving like idiots they they kind of lose this friendship that he had established and this passion that he had established with these other aficionados which means like fans basically there is the unfairness sometimes that can come from life of, you know, he's very much in love with Brett and yet, and she loves him as well, but he is impotent from his war wounds. And so they can't kind of consummate this love. And she is a sexual being. She, she is very uh, promiscuous and, and we see, okay, you know, there's, even though there is passion, this is just one of those unfair times where it's like the price to pay for that is, well, they can never actually make love. We see it can just have tragic consequences. Uh, another person who is super passionate is one of the spectators. He runs with the bulls and just through kind of bad luck and also idiocy because you're running with bulls, <laughs> he, uh, he dies and he leaves behind a widow and he leaves behind some kids. A minor note in the story, but I think it does highlight this this kind of aspect of passion which is man there's a just because you're passionate about something doesn't mean you're going to have like a good life or it doesn't mean life will be easy or that you'll even enjoy that passion it can end up screwing you around killing you it can end up causing you a lot of pain and suffering in the case of jake because he can't have sex with uh with brett or lady ashley and you can make bad calls and you can kind of 
screw up your passion because you bring your jackass friends along and you lose the respect of all these people who you spent so much time trying to create and foster. So yeah, it's a passion. It's not a free ride. <laughs> Let's jump into the observations and takeaways. What is the iceberg theory? I mentioned that right at the start. Well, in his own words, uh, Ernest Hemingway says it's a, it's a way of writing where it's minimalistic and you do this for the implicit shining through of the themes. So he, he, his style is very simple. You're not going to see many words which are really large and complex and sentences which you know go on for paragraphs and try and drag out these nuances through kind of like sheer force or something like this of the words. No, for him, it's always omitting things and leaving things slightly open to interpretation. And so even though you have the tip of the iceberg, which is his actual writing, the deeper themes, the bulk of the iceberg is kind of hidden beneath the surface. It's something that's not easily accessible and not um, observable from from the just the words themselves. And uh, I, I think this is a, a pretty good theory because what you'll see with a lot of his books is People, the themes people take out from them can be completely different. I didn't touch upon the culture or the trends of the ethics of bullfighting. I didn't touch upon the kind of new woman. This is the idea of this kind of promiscuous woman uh, hitting into the 1920s, you know, of liberation, of being able to do things differently, of wearing a, having her hair cut short and, and being confident with that. I didn't touch upon jealousy, upon rage, upon masculinity. What is it to be a man? Does this require bullfighting, danger of death, of beauty? You know, there's so much you could really dive into with these books. And I think the this implicit shining through, it, it allows you to choose the ones that that kind of jump out at you, which for me was friendship and, and passion from from this book. And yeah, I, I just think that's a it's a cool theory and I think it it makes sense and that's something that I have noticed from the the two other Hemingway books that I that I have read very minimalistic but it allows you to kind of get some depth from it and how does he show this well he uses a lot of single syllable words for example so in between his descriptions of the internal thoughts of characters hell even the dialogue uh, can can give this and so I'm going to jump onto page 64 here and he's just met Bill uh, who's come over from, I believe, the United States, and they're kind of just catching up again, and they're shooting the shit. They're being funny. And so Bill says, here's a taxidermist, Bill said. Want to buy anything? Nice stuffed dog? Come on, I said. You're pie-eyed. Pretty nice stuffed dogs, Bill said. Certainly brighten up your flat. Come on. Just one stuffed dog. I can take him or leave him alone. But listen, Jake, just one stuffed dog. Come on. Mean everything in the world to you after you bought it. Simple exchange of values. You give them money, they give you a stuffed dog. We'll get one on the way back. All right, have it your own way. Road to hell paid for unbought stuffed dogs. Not my fault. <laughs> so it's just his fun little interaction. And what I noticed from this is that the with this dialogue, I've kind of complained about this in, in the past with uh, something like perhaps The Alchemist. Well, not complained. I've noticed this in the past with books like The Alchemist where it is very simplistic, short and sharp. I think he makes up for this by adding in extra little bits and pieces, which kind of see, seem boring. You know, Jake just replying, come on, three times. That doesn't really add much to the the conversation, but it it kind of allows it to continue. We can kind of see, okay, there's this jocular nature. And I think this is pretty good for the dialogue and for the humor. He makes it work. 
in his Hemingway style. But I actually prefer it more for the thoughts and descriptive nature that that comes typically towards the end of the paragraphs or the sorry the end of the 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 chapters where the character will have an introspection or it'll be descriptive, but it's not overly descriptive. He's not spending two pages describing the cobblestone streets and the you know immaculate buildings and the whitewashing and the smell and and things like this. He spends a little bit of time on it, but it it allows his books to kind of retain this compactness. And I, I, yeah, I think there's something, there's a style, there's a style of, of Hemingway, which I, I find intriguing. And then we get into <laughs> one of the, the last things here, which is there's some unpleasant trees as well. It's not really bad. It didn't ruin the book for me, but Robert Cohen, for example, a lot of the reason they dislike him is because he's a Jew and they make that implicit as well, or explicit, I should say. They they say, you know, the Jew Robert Cohen, the I call him a kike. They, uh, you know, insulting him because of his Jewness. Not part like a lot of it is because he's behaving like a jackass and he's trying to win back this girl who only slept with him for like this one week, um, Brett Ashley, uh, just because you know he was there, kind of deal. And he's making an ass out of himself, and he's. You know, it's when people aren't w- welcome and wanted and they just hang around and it's like, geez, dude, you fuck off. Like, you, you need to leave. There's that kind of thing going on. But then there's this anti-Semitism and we see it with other things in the book as well. There's uh, when they're talking about black people, they were saying, you know, like these niggers, blah, 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 blah. It, it wasn't necessarily like the harshest way of saying it, but it also was just like, ah, geez. And that kind of just seems to be the Hemingway style He you, you kind of take the good with the bad with him. And he was this kind of brusque character. Uh, when did he live? You know, he was from in the 1900s. Things were different back then. And things that are perhaps unacceptable now might have just been slightly acceptable or, or acceptable in general. And so you will have to just take that the good with the bad when you're when you're reading his books. So onto my summary, Hemingway's style is unique as he was. As I mentioned, this was a Romana Clef. This was based on real life events. And so when you're reading it <laughs> and they're on this absolute bender for seven days and I'm just going, man, how could you do this? My body would just give up after two days. I mean, I've got a friend's bucks party coming up for two nights and I'm I'm already just going, oh, I'm not sure I'm going to really want to I wouldn't want to have seven days of of whatever's going to happen there. So uh, it is, you just have to sometimes realize there's wild people in this world who do wild things. And uh, I think Hemingway was definitely in that category. I enjoyed it just for the prose itself. I I have enjoyed, uh, especially The Old Man in the Sea, A Call to Arms wasn't as good, I feel, as as these two books were. Um, but the the problem with this book was uh, I actually don't really like non-consensual violence. And there's a fair bit in this. In this. There's uh, fist fights between the main characters, obviously the murdering of the bulls um, and the, the killing of them. I'm not a big fan of that. Um, so even if it was intriguing to kind of get the feel of what the fiesta of what it would be like to be at a, a bullfight, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's something that I really am drawn to and go, oh, man, wow, I love that. So... Uh, overall, I'm going to give Fiesta, The Sun Also Rises by Ernest Hemingway a 7 out of 10. I thought it was a pretty decent book and um, yeah, I enjoyed reading it. 
And that is it for today, my mere mortalites. Thank you for joining me to the end of this audio. What are your thoughts on Fiesta, on Ernest Hemingway, on friendship, on passion, on the Pamplona bullfights? I would love to know all of these things. The best way to do that is simply by just reaching out via any of the links that I've got down below. We've got Instagram, you know, Twitter, Discord, leave, leave a, a Boostagram if you want within the actual app. And uh, yeah, I really do just love getting some feedback of knowing what do you enjoy about these reviews of these books? What what uh, could I take away? What could I make better? Uh, would really help out the podcast just for you to, to reach out and let me know. Uh, other than that, uh, I would just recommend checking out the Mere Mortals podcast. It's uh, one that I do with Juan, who also does book reviews on this channel. And we discuss ideas, we discuss topics, we discuss self-improvement. And it's uh, a lot of the things that we take from these books we, we use as kind of topics of conversation and uh, dive deeper into. So if you enjoyed this, I would just recommend checking out that because you'll likely enjoy that as well. Other than that, I do hope you're having a fantastic day with some friends that you're passionate about wherever you are in the world. Ciao for now. Chiron out.